0: Welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Dispatch. This is your host, Andy Anderson. In this episode, Peering into the Dark Places, we talk with Michael Maria of Digital Shadows. Michael shares his experience working to mine the dark web, the private and often unseen side of the internet, where criminals and others share potential vulnerabilities and data.
1: So, I'm Michael Marriott, a research analyst here at Digital Shadows. We're a cybersecurity company that is providing threat intelligence, so looking into the latest threats um, that are emerging that organizations should be concerned about, <laughs> as well as what data they're exposing online. So, we've got a service that monitors for that exposed data and tracks threat actors. So, people are talking a lot about managing their digital risk and that's we provide this to enable them to do that
0: yeah so you know
1: everyone sort of talks
0: about the dark web <laughs> and even for someone in the space like I'm not sure that I exactly know what the dark web is so for those yeah even like myself walk us through what, what
1: exactly the dark web is so the dark web refers to a part of the internet which needs specific software to access gotcha so that's typically Tor domain, so the ones that end in dot .onion yeah uh, but there are a few others like I2P as well so okay they provide increased anonymity um, through the software for people to browse the web. So they go through various different layers and different IP addresses in order to obscure you know, their identity. And that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's, that's got really good things and benefits for like, journalists if they want to be whistleblowers and, and things yeah. like that. But um, it also can entice cyber criminals because of this anonymity. So right. what we've seen is people establishing dark web marketplaces to sell their wares and forums as well there's some interesting stuff on there but what we're also seeing is that criminality is across the open web like yeah. there's bad things on social media as well but it's not inherently an evil tool so I think that's always important to remember and then I don't know whether you recall was it last year in the middle of last year there was Alpha Bay and Hansa who were the two biggest dark red marketplaces okay. um, yeah I remember they got were they owned by the FBI yeah, the, for a while I right? think the, uh, yeah the Dutch police in collaboration with a yeah. few of the law enforcement um, It was pretty cool. They got, they managed to seize Alpha Bay, which was the biggest one at the time. Yeah, and then they waited about two weeks. But actually, in the meantime, they'd gained access to the second biggest one, which was HANSA. So they waited for all the users to flock over to HANSA. And then they announced that that was actually seized as well. So that was okay. a great um, great coup for law enforcement. And it's like when, they, when you sign up for your new account,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please include your IP address location. <laughs> no, exactly. Where
1: should we send you material? And, and they were so convincing. They, they even limited registrations. Cause they're like, we're overwhelmed. Please hold. You know, we can't deal with all this oh. demand. Awesome. <laughs> so that was a really good intelligence game uh, but as you can imagine since then whereas before it was like we're on the dark web so it's a little bit more secure anonymity's better and now it's there's been a bit of an evolution in criminal marketplaces so it's not necessarily on Tor or I2P uh, but it's, it's on just other places online so forums that are behind you've got to log into in order to gain access to and you, what we're seeing is that the administrators behind those sites getting a lot more stringent and picky about who's gaining access to what the the idea of trust in the criminal ecosystem is because of these operations has really been stuck. So um, the various mechanisms which are fascinating that they're using to try and balance this out and work out who they can trust and, and who may be a threat. Yeah, and so basically,
0: what you guys do is, if I'm, you know, a company and, and I have, you, you're sort of monitoring whether any of my stuff or maybe an individual, right, any of my data is eventually being taken to the dark web and whether it's available there. Is that is that the core of yeah, one of the
1: exactly. Products? Yeah, so, so that's one aspect of it is what are the threat actors on these criminal locations sharing about me as an organisation are they mentioning my brand are they mentioning my VIPs maybe they're talking about targeting the software that I'm using you want to find out about that before it starts so that you can be in a better position but what we're also seeing is that before that information is even targeted or the information is used as part of a to tailor an attack so you see all of these phishing campaigns that use really sensitive information about people that's been exposed online and There's already loads of information already exposed about organizations before anybody has like a network intrusion into a company. So I think organizations can focus on, that's what we help them to do, is cleaning up the information that's already exposed, maybe by their employees, a disgruntled former employee or their third parties and prospects. So yeah, while there are direct threats to their assets and people sharing them online, they want to know about that, it's also just innocent exposure but that can leave them exposed so that's what we do we, we monitor for these across criminal forms marketplaces but also social media search engines if you go into just google and type in private and confidential file type pdf you'll come up with millions of results wow like they're just they're all out there um, so we want to be letting people know what's there and how that can Exposed. I'm curious, why is Google? I mean, Google's like we're sharing every
0: all this information, but there's no sense from sort of a large, you know, the large. Well, I guess it, that's just a search engine. So if it's there, they're they're gonna leave it there but is there no effort by anyone to sort of Uh, other than you guys to push that to say like let's get rid of this stuff let's make sure that this isn't there like where is it being where is it being
1: housed i'm just curious like where is it sitting so there's different places where where it could sit you could have somebody that just the organization could do it itself but they uploaded a presentation which they some of the person that uploaded it didn't know they had this private confidential information on it yeah. Um, it could be bit more commonly it's contractors. So there's various services online. Um, so you've got S3 buckets, um, which have been in the news quite a lot. They yeah. can be misconfigured. What, you know, I keep hearing that. So what yeah. is an S3 bucket? So it's an Amazon S3 s bucket. It's okay. a way of storing information on the cloud. So it's a file server. Okay. Yeah, a way of storing, storing files. And then you can allow other people access to those files. Um, unfortunately, some people misconfigure them. So... Um, instead of having access for specific people that you want access to, you've actually just opened it up for everyone.
0: And, and I keep hearing that, you know, it's an issue. Like, why does Amazon go, like, the defaults are, like, nobody, right? you got to turn on, and, like, there's seven help yeah. windows and saying, like, well, are you sure Do you want this Everyone Yeah. in the world to say
1: this? I mean, this seems like, you know, Amazon's brand is getting tarnished by this, speaking of sort of... Brand. Yeah, so they actually have changed that yeah. in their okay, defense. Go. They've now made it private by default. Okay. But it's not always that simple because yeah. you want to go, right, I've got these files. I want X person to have control of it. and It's quite easy to lose control of those, those settings. I'd also say it's not just Amazon S3 buckets. Right, it's, it's a common example. Right? Yeah, and, and that's a recent example of these cloud-based services. But kind of we've been doing some research into other online services that are exposing information. And you've got things like FTP servers, which are file transfer protocols. Um, you've got rsync, which is a way of synchronizing and exchanging files. Um, you've got SMB, which is another way of sharing files. Um, um, And these services are... Many of these are from the 80s or 90s. People have been using them for ages. They're really well used, but they've been misconfigured. And the amount of data that is exposed is is pretty staggering. We detected 12 petabytes of data. And in in context, the uh, Panama Papers was was 2.6 terabytes. So it's about 4,000 times the Panama Papers leak.
0: And so... You, another service. You essentially come into an organization. You see all of
1: those potential like misconfigurations and issues. How do you do that? So different sources. We need different ways of collecting that information. So we've we've built specific technologies to do each of those things. So we've got a spider for the dark web and criminal forums, and Google provides an API so you can look for your information on that. You can query social media, uh, and then. I can't go into our secret source for some of our features. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, we, we take different approaches to finding different publicly exposed information. But
0: do you ever go into an organization's own sort of. You, you, don't, you don't handle it's all sort of everything that's outside your organization. You're looking there, exactly. things that are like matching with you. And how do you do that? So, like, let's say I'm a, a company and I'm worried that, like, you know, someone's stolen some of my proprietary customer data mm-hmm. right how do I how do you take that and look for it right yeah. so do I have to then and then how do I not make you another potential threat vector because I'm now
1: sharing all that information with you yeah so in terms of the things that we take we'll take identifiers of an organization so it might be their name their like snippets of code that identify them okay. it could be their IP ranges or domains or anything that might define them and then and we pull in the data, so there's no trace of us having kind of point, pointed at that online, so not being exposed in that way. And that's how we make it relevant to the organization. One of the other aspects is is having an an analyst team as well. So so often with this sort of thing, threat intelligence is a developing field. Traditionally, it's been about having loads of bad that you find online and then feeding it into an organization. So by making it relevant to the analyst, it it, it kind of helps to stop analysts in firms being just swamped with
0: information. You know, obviously, you're helping to protect the the company's own data, right? Like stuff about their... Their IP, whatnot. You also protect, essentially, help them think about whether the data that they have about their customers is also getting out, or is that not really getting
1: well, but- Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly an example. So it's it's all geared to like helping them make better decisions about things. Because if you take the contractors example, so many of those exchanging data about you. So what's really really common that we have seen is that they'll get a contractor in to do a security test for the organisation and then they'll go away and maybe do some security tests with some other organisations and then they'll go and back up those reports Unfortunately, they back those up and they're now publicly available. So, in terms of like a goldmine for attackers, that you, you, we always focus on these zero days and att- attackers and APTs and nation states whereas actually... You've just exposed all your vulnerabilities and exactly if you're an attacker, at how you would get into that. So perhaps focus on how, when you work with contractors, how you confirm exactly what they do with the information and uh, having some, some regulations, having some procedures and policies around that would be a sensible way because you're being exposed in this way.
0: So I'm curious, it's a, it's a tangent to what you're talking about, but I was I was talking with, I heard the CISO of speak yesterday and he was talking about they have a very different way of thinking of identifying their their customers. They, They don't really use passwords anymore once you opt into the program and now they're identifying you know, you you buy 60 attributes on your phone or 30 on your desktop, right? Because they know where you are, all, all these factors. Yeah. But what's interesting is, and that's cool, right? I mean, but what, what's also interesting is from a compliance perspective that could be really problematic, right? Because now I have all of this pers- potentially PII about you, where you've been, what your phone yeah. looks like, right? But he's like, actually I don't have PII because I basically have just converted all of that data into information that's not It's no longer valuable to anyone but my organization because I've essentially like transformed that PII, right, into math, right, into numbers that only my systems understand, right? So maybe if you were a data scientist and had the models and you grab the data that's in there and then they throw away a lot of that. The the initial stuff. So I'm curious where you're seeing, like, is that something that's happening a lot where basically companies are saying, you know what, I don't want PII anymore. Like, I I might need it momentarily, but the idea that I'm going to store it for, you know, years and whatever beyond, like, the, the moment in time when it was useful for me probably around the transaction... I'm curious whether you're encountering that, seeing that, what, what your, your thoughts are on. That.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've heard the talk that you're you referring to. It yeah. really yeah, to. It's really great to hear people, you know, approaching sure these these types of issues. In terms of the personal data, and incidentally, PII and personal data often used interchangeably. Yeah, we're but, probably not. <laughs> but now, and this ties into why people are taking it more seriously, because yeah. in the US, we've got PII, and that that yeah. is a very specific definition uh, of what is personally identifiable information to me, and, and you've got compliance frameworks around that and now with GDPR coming as we've been all talking about oh, for so, much, or, uh, so much <laughs> tell me yeah. something new I don't know about you <laughs> so yeah um, just on the on the definitions I personal data is what they're looking at and personal data includes a little bit more than PIR so personal data will be like things like cookies as well so what, what defines an organization is more uh, there's already so much exposed information out there it's even looking at it every single day, it's, it's still staggering to how much is exactly out there. You've got marketplaces online uh, that specialize in selling credit cards, and you can go there, you can also filter by social security number, pick up a social security number and the names for a dollar, um, hundreds of thousands. And
0: I, I mean, so we never, I mean, everyone knows the story that the social security number was never supposed to use, be used, Everyone in security. It was never supposed to be a unique identifier for you, right? But that's, it's convenient, right? Because it sits in databases and it's always the same, it's always the same length number and everybody only has one, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's convenient to use it. But I'm, I'm just, I'm hopeful and I'm curious the kind of companies that you're working with encountering. like, are they starting to say, you know what, like, I don't want social security numbers and it shouldn't be ever part of my kind of structure of how I deal with someone. Like if, if someone has my social security number, right? Like, and I've given it out like probably 10 times this month because I'm going to doctors and all kinds of stuff. And you know, I, like it's everywhere on paper, like but it's only valuable if you can use it to do something. Right. So like you can go to the bank or you can go to the IRS or you can go like these yeah. different organizations and then do something with it, right? So how do you how do you how do we get to a place where like the people who are who where you would make money off my social security number are like Good luck with that, right? Like, I need a picture of you. I need like yeah. where you are. Like, let's let's identify you a little bit better.
1: You're absolutely right, and there are multiple ways to prevent people from accessing your account. So you can have multi-factor authentication. So you need somebody to send a code to do that, and all of these things that you recommend are, are ways in which you could solve that problem. But I think we often overlook that organizations have got like business decisions as well. So. This will create more friction for our users. So what's what's going to be the cost of that? Like, While we appreciate this as a concern, I think we've always got to remember it is a, it is a business decision for them. So yeah. it's really important that we've got these, these trailblazers like Aetna making advances in this, this type of area. But the reality for, for a lot of organisations will be hairs on fire... Here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm trying to do my day-to-day tasks. So taking that macro view, it, it takes a real leader to kind of start doing that. And yeah. that when it's combined with uh, compliance yeah. frameworks like GDPR is yeah. going up. That I, can mean, help. I, I do think, you know, GDPR is, in, we, we don't need to get into the de- details
0: of GDPR. <laughs> not, but I think what is going to be interesting is that the business, it's the first time I think that a lot of you know, green-eyed shade. Like, you know, CFOs are like, whoa, 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 we got to make sure we comply with this because 4% of revenue turnover, right, depending on what side of the pond you're on, yeah. is a real big number, right? It's not hard to figure out if we F this up how expensive this is going to be, right? Because it's like 4% is
1: often the profit margin on some companies. Well, it would be a certainly not a pleasant thing to report in a quarterly report exactly it ties into this thing about business decisions so if all of a sudden that's a bit more of a financial impact then you can balance it out and prioritize a bit better yeah you're right well
0: talk to me about kind of like what we're you know stuff that surprised you when you guys have like worked with a company like what's been let's hear some fun stories like what did you come up with like what is like do you like you're like okay like let's let's try this out and like things just like go like red everywhere yeah.
1: So there's there's a couple of cool examples. So as people will give us the things that they care about, as previously mentioned. So in one case, that was a, a staging domain of their website that they were developing, okay. um, and they would really like it if you would just monitor for anybody mentioning that website. No one should really know about it." So they went away and we were monitoring for it, and it turned out it cropped up on a, on a criminal forum, and they were they were testing their malware. Against that staging website while it was being staged, yeah. so it was quite interesting that the attackers were all doing their own QAing of their malware. So they're yeah. really went live, they were ready. We're ready. They're, they're, yeah. They're ready. yeah. Uh, so being able to pick that up was, was pretty cool um, yeah. to give them a, a heads up that they could dial that down. So in a, in a similar way, it's, we've had a few of these websites being developed. Yeah. Yeah, kind of the p- person developing it, they've shared credentials for the website yeah. uh, publicly available. So anybody that wanted to gain access to that than they can do. So, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of really interesting things just constantly exposed. We, if we go back to the stuff we were talking about, what defines a user yeah. online, not just a social security number? There are multiple other identifiers which go, this is that user. It's coming from this location, it's got these cookies, it's got this browser information, and that's fingerprinting. You get a good idea of that. And that's generally been used to stop fraud happening. So if somebody logs on from somewhere and tries getting access to a bank account, even if they've got a bit of information, it will flag up and go, oh, this, this doesn't look quite right. And something that we've recently seen is a new marketplace which seeks to combat that a little bit. It's called Genesis. <laughs> and it's somebody that's created this new... They'll sell you not just the social security number, they'll sell you all that other stuff you need to go. They'll sell you uh, kind of...
0: The,
1: fully imitating a user online so you can you can get a plug-in for Chrome and all of a sudden you are that user you've got the cookies you've got the log-on information for maybe a social media account you've got banking information so you can then go on and spend money and it just appears that you are that user wow fully built out ready to go so, yep yeah, they've got a plugin for it they've got they've got configuration files for those users do they get like reviews I mean is there like an app store for
0: like the dark <laughs> web you're like well I mean he said all this stuff but it was definitely not not worth the Yeah,
1: <laughs> there actually is I, I, I you know, like pictures of like people in handcuffs, like it didn't work, man. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So there's a huge that like reputation of trust is so important and you've got loads of reviews online for these types of services. Um and that's common if you if you want your product to grow, then you need those reviews because people are as I talked about before with the trust, people need to know that it, it's gonna be all right there's also we've done research before there's there's another service called Ripper.cc and a Ripper is a cyber criminal that is selling stuff but actually when you pay him the money there's nothing behind it so he's ripping off other cyber criminals and there's a domain called ripper.CC and that lists out all of these different rippers so people can then and again it's all, always plugins for, for browsers they've got another plugin which if ever you're dealing with somebody you can it will flag up that somebody has reported this guy and who said there was no honor among you yeah, right? exactly yeah <laughs> yeah. So that was fascinating to see the, the structures they've got in place too.
0: But I do you know, I was I was in a conversation earlier today and, and thinking about sort of the trust you know, there, there's the internet was built on you know by a relatively small number of people, right? It was a community that was like researchers, right? Yeah. Like you knew you literally knew who you were talking to, right? And even like when malware would come out, you kind of knew people were knowing yeah. who the author was, right? Because it was sort of like academic, could I guess, right? a Yeah, like Robert Morris was like the son of one of the I think he's the son of an NSA guy or son of one of the like first creators, right? Like the Morris worm, the first big right. worm. I'm curious about sort of the two trust numbers, right? Because you've got trust among the criminals. But like when you think of the internet overall, it's just a much I, at least I hope there are more, many more like good people than bad people yeah. right and and why is it that we can't kind of share enough I mean it shouldn't be that hard to sort of point at the you know the criminals and say this this guy's not not doing good stuff right like and just make it very hard for that person to kind of they can do it once but once they they get they tag someone sort of the community starts to quickly identify
1: that is it really just the anonymity tools or yeah so you do get People building up a, a persona, and then if that persona is tarnished by these negative reviews, then that kind of ruins it for them, and they might have to go on to another one and build that up. So it certainly does disrupt them, but you can always just build up another persona uh,
0: because of the anonymity, and you can always. And, and there's no jurisdiction, I mean, there's no like international police force,
1: right? Also, so across countries, right? And it gets really yeah, problematic. Um, going back to kind of no. In honor amongst thieves, uh, you see that the Russian speaking forums, well, they've got an unwritten, well, no, sometimes a written rule that is. <laughs> Do what you want with this information trade. Just don't target any Russian. Yeah. Just
0: no, don't you know, Yeah.
1: Stay outside. You know. Don't don't
0: crap where you eat. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, and I and I think it's interesting. I mean, that this space is there's multiple levels sort of operating. I mean, there's certainly the technological stuff, but there's really interesting sort of geopolitical factors as well. Like I think in some ways in cyber we're replaying. Some of the ideas of the Cold War, right? We're not, you're not gonna, we're gonna fire missiles between the sort of major powers because that could be quite you know, probma- problematic for all of us. But we still want to kind of like poke and mess with each other and sort of show who's running things and whatnot. And so that's happening in the cyberspace because we can kind of, you can do that and not, at least not yet. Does that necessarily cross over into like seeming like an overt act of war where we're gonna start firing missiles and sending aircraft? And
1: yeah, that, that's been kind of how it's been up until I don't know recent. Whether that's going to change because people, cyber would be the fifth domain. Yeah, um, whereas yeah, space occurring during during the Cold War, cyber is genuinely a domain, and I think often we we can underestimate the, the impact that it can have within those, and it's not. Always completely separate from the other domains. If you've got, if you are going on an offensive strategy, you use all of the all of the domains. And I think when you're looking at signalling the information, uh, if you underplay the the cyber domain element, then can lead to a little bit of escalation. So, I think we do need to keep an eye on that and make sure.
0: Yeah, will it cross over into the others? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, although it's interesting, like I, I was actually hearing the Dalai Lama speak and he was talking about how sort of war, you know, it made sense at one point, right? Because you've got limited resources and so I need those, right? Mm-hmm. But now the majority of the economy is built on trade, right? It's, yeah. it's an exchange. Like, you look at the actual value, and so now we're at this point where like actually as you as you poke your supposed enemies and you like destroy this trust, you reduce trade, you're actually probably hurting yourself as much as you're hurting them sort of a global scale, right? And I'm I'm getting really worried about kind of what's yeah, happening because you are starting to see an erosion of this trust and sort of like the benefits that the internet is bringing like are we also, we, we could, if we do sort of spend so much time poking each other and sort of ruining that trust, there's a, there's a chance that we'll lose a lot of those. the benefits that we built up and certainly the potential ones for collaboration and all, an additional trade that we'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but in the same way that, that space, air, that sea was let, used for, for war purposes, yeah. the internet isn't a bad thing itself, it's just just a way that people share information online and... Yes, it can be misused, but I think overall it's, it's good and it's there, so um, yeah. we just need to know how to deal with it, but yeah, I understand. Well, thank you so much.
0: Anything else before we
1: leave? No, just um, just thanks for having me on. No, no, no. This is appreciate- great. Really appreciate it.